So this morning we're continuing in our Ephesians series. Title of today's message is A Key to Powerful and Effective Prayer, Especially for Others. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Now, how many people here would be honest and open uh, before everybody here and say, you know, I have kind of a problem maintaining a consistent and effective prayer life. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. It's probably, I think when we get to heaven, one of the greatest regrets we have and we look back and see all the things we could have prayed about and, and missed the boat because we, we just got caught up with life and, and didn't do that. I mean, for some people, sometimes even me, the idea of prayer is the last thing you do before falling asleep in bed. It's like, oh, I didn't pray today. Let me, let me get some prayers in. And then you end up falling asleep halfway through them. Maybe prayer is something you only do at meals or do at church. And it's my belief, and something that I found out through my previous pastor who taught a lot on prayer, is that many don't pray because they don't understand prayer. And they don't understand how to pray. They don't understand the meaning and the power and the purpose of prayer. Now, most of you know I grew up Lutheran. We were taught various prayers that we were to recite as our prayer life. The first prayer I ever learned was the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, who art in heaven prayer. Um, great prayer. We learned about it. We memorized it. We were required to recite it in front of our teacher. And then we had to write a little report about what each section meant. We also had to learn um, one of the three creeds, either the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, or the... Uh, I think it's the Atherite, it's, it's, it's a huge, it's about six pages long, that creed, whatever it is. I took the Nicene Creed and memorized that. Maybe you grew up Catholic, maybe you had to learn all the prayers of the rosary, and you had to work your way all the way through the rosary, and, and that was your prayer life. And the unfortunate thing sometimes with praying the rosary is prayer was kind of used as penance, wasn't it? You went into the priest, you confessed your sin, you said, okay, you got to pray three or four rosaries or something. And so you saw that, okay, you go out, you kneel in the pew, and you work with beads, and, and you go through the whole thing like three or four times, and you saw prayer as a duty or as a punishment instead of the, the life-changing and life-sustaining thing that it was. It was just a check mark on a to-do list. But that's not what prayer is. That's not what God has intended for us. Prayer is a lifeline of communication that connects us to God Almighty. It's our modern equivalent, the way that you and I today experience what Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden when they walked with God in the coolness of the day. That is what prayer is supposed to be is having that intimate relationship with God. Prayer is meant to draw God's presence down to us as we lift our spirit up to Him and to make that firm connection with Him. And that brings us to the subject of today's message from the book of Ephesians. Paul is showing us how to pray, especially for others based on his own pattern of praying for people. So let's look at the scriptures this morning. In Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its instruction. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the way to walk with you, to be used by you, and to be useful for you. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you take this message and just imprint it into our hearts, especially when it comes to our prayer life and the importance of regular connection and communication with you. Lord God, I ask this in your name. Amen. Now, as I said toward the beginning of the message, out on the table of the foyer, you have these papers. These are important. Um, they're designed to help you pray, and we're going to go through them, and I'll explain this as I go. And you can keep them in your Bible, and if you want more, let me know, and I'll make more. They're meant to serve as guides to help you as you lift up others to God and help you stay on track and show you how to pray for them. So taking this, that piece of paper out, Let's look at the way that we pray for others. The first thing we do is we look at verse 16, that God would strengthen them with his power. The key phrase there is that, that we need to focus on is that God strengthens people with his power. And with his power comes peace. With his power comes strength. With his power comes love. With his power comes purpose and direction and a knowledge of what his will is. When we ask for God's power, the great thing is he never just sends part of his power. Okay, follow me with this. It's like we, if we only ask God for his wisdom or his power, it's kind of like asking someone to come over to your house but only send your arm. You can't send just part of yourself to a person's house. The whole person has to come and help you with whatever you need to. And when we ask for God's power to come, guess what? The rest of him comes with it. This is why I don't like prosperity preaching very much. When, when people just ask God for this and that and everything else, they don't understand. They want the blessing. But if God is going to bring the blessing, he's going to bring him too. That means he's going to bring his, his will with it. What if oh, you say, God, I want a million dollars. Can you give me a million dollars? Sure, here's a million dollars. However, I'm coming with it. My will for that million dollars that you give it all to missions. You see, God always comes with each part of what we ask him to do. And that word power, in this, in this case, that word power or might in the, in the King James Version, comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means ability, abundance, meaning, and might. It's the same word in the Bible used to describe miraculous power. An example is from a, um, can be seen in Ephesians 1, 19-21, when it says, that power is like the working of his mighty strength. 
which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him up from the dead and seated Him on His right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, when we started this series, we talked about this, that the, the working of God's mighty strength was like God bearing His bicep, showing His strength, showing His power and ripping the gates of hell off their foundation and destroying it in the process. And it's, that is the kind of power we want to be asking God to give those who we pray for, our loved ones, our neighbors, or whoever asks us to pray for them. We need to be praying that God's power is made manifest in people's lives. And more and more as we say the day approaching, we will need that power. They will need that power to survive and to thrive with what is coming. The second way we can pray for people is that we pray that Christ would dwell in their hearts. Now, as the weather warms up, I was looking at the weather, 61, I think, on Wednesday. I'm thinking of opening all the house, doing some deep cleaning at the parsonage and getting some of the cobwebs out and scrubbing floors and doing all that glorious stuff. Maybe I'll hire some cleaner. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> One eight hundred Amish person. Um, <laughs> you can give them a ride. <laughs> but it's it's coming up to that time of the year. We can open our windows again and let the fresh air fill our homes. It's that time of year that we might move furniture, clean underneath things, get the baseboards and some of the grease behind the stove, all that stuff that, that needs to be done to keep our house, houses looking good. It's called spring cleaning, and it's getting us ready for the nice weather and, and being able to be outdoors more often. However, I think it's healthy for some of us to ask God, do we need a spring cleaning in our hearts? Does he need to come in and, and do some maintenance in there? We may have allowed a few dust bunnies of the world to be hidden under our spiritual furniture, and they need to go. And you'll notice that all of that worldly stuff that, that builds up in our spirit happens when we forget to put Christ in his proper place. His proper place is on the throne of our hearts. And he should always be abiding there as king of our souls. But we're human. We, we, we fall away sometimes. And sometimes in the newness of spring, it's good for us to remember to look back up to God and say, God, search me and know me. Know my coming outs and my goings in. Shine the light of your holiness into my soul so that everything that is in there brings glory to you. That should be our prayer for this time of year, and that should be our prayer for others that Christ would dwell in their hearts and be on the throne of their lives. The third thing we should be praying for others for is that their faith would be strengthened. Now, faith is called the currency of heaven. It's what was destroyed and attacked in Eden, or destroyed and attacked in Eden and restored at the cross. It's the absolute requirement for living a life that is pleasing to God. Faith 
explains and, and exclaims that his word is true. Faith is understanding and believing that his will is best. Faith is understanding and believing that God will meet your every need. And faith is something that we should pray for others, that they understand that no matter what the circumstances, that God is there in the midst. And I want to touch on that last one for a moment. We're facing very uncertain times right now, aren't we? It's not, too, it's not using hyperbole to say that we could be looking at world war in Europe. It's not just Ukraine. This morning, Iran threw missiles into Iraq. Iraq threw missiles into Israel. It's, it's starting to come apart over there. And we're definitely seeing the conditions that the Bible speaks to in Revelation 6 and Matthew 24 when the end of the age is approaching. Now, I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to bring fear and doubt and unbelief into your, into your life. And I want to remind you of a promise in Isaiah. And this is God speaking of his holy city, Jerusalem. In Isaiah 49, 15, he is describing his heart to the prophet. And, he's, and, he's, and God says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Now I want you to consider, he is speaking of Jerusalem here. Jerusalem is where they killed his son. Jerusalem is where Jesus hung on a cross. It's where Jesus was beaten almost to death. But God still shows them love and affection. Even to the point of writing their, Jerusalem's name on the palm of his hand. I, which I actually believe is a veiled reference to Jesus taking the nails in his hands. It was a foreshadowing of what was to come. Now, if God can look at a city that did all of that to his beloved son and still express that kind of love to them, how do you think he looks at you? How do you think he wants to care for you? Do you think he loves you? Do you think he loves these people that you're praying for? Do you think he cares about your day-to-day -day life? Of course he does. He uses that very, very intimate description of a baby at the breast to describe his love for you. And God stands ready to be there for us even as we enter into these uncertain times. Even in the midst of an increasingly chaotic world we live in, God is there. In fact, it's one of his names in the Bible. Yahweh Shema, the Lord is there. So when you pray for yourself or for others, and your heart is filled with fear for today, or you know that they're, they're having anxiety attacks watching the news, concerned about the future, remember Yahweh Shema, the Lord is there. Pray that they will feel God's presence and their power and his power in their lives. Because if Yahweh Shema is there, guess what? 
It's like I said a few minutes ago, if he is there, he brings the power. He brings the strength. He brings the love. He brings the peace. He brings the protection. He can't just send a small part of himself. He comes with all of that. Provision, healing, presence, power, and most importantly, faith, all will manifest in their lives as we hold them up to God. Number four, pray that they would manifest the power of God in their life. I mentioned before that the Greek word for power is dunamis, which is part of the base of our English word dynamite. What is dynamite? It's explosive, right? It's powerful. It can destroy things. Or it can clear the ground for a new building. Or in the case of a, new, of a person we might be praying for, it can help them begin or have a new beginning with God. Have that new life with God by destroying their old life. And that power that we have is meant to be shared with others. I heard a person stay once at my old church. He said, Sunday, I'm glad I'm so here, Pastor John. It's great. I come here every Sunday and get my batteries recharged for this for the day for the for the week ahead. And I, I just feel like so drained when I walk in and so filled when I walk out. I said, That's your problem. I said, You're not a battery. You're a wire. And if you think you're a bat, I mean this isn't the matrix. You're not some human battery plugged in to power a machine somewhere. I'm not Morpheus handing you the red pill every Sunday. God never meant for us to be batteries. He meant us to be wires. Something that connects God to this world and flows through us and out into others. Has anyone here ever lost their electric power? We have that happen around here once in a while. Even, even after they buried the wires, we still have some power outages here in Whitehall. And, you know, you can walk around your house in the dark with a candle or a lantern, and, and you're looking at all the wires, and, and everything's connected, and you go outside, and the pole's connected, and you're, you're thinking, what's the problem? Well, somewhere between the power plant and our pole, there's a problem. And that disconnection keeps the power from getting your coffee maker to brew a cup of coffee. And that's a tragedy. It is for me anyway. Well, the same holds true for you and I, and it seems going to hold true for the people that we pray for, that the power of God may be missing in their lives. And it's critical that we help them reconnect with that power so that light and life can reign again in their spirits and in their lives. So that they connect, so that they can help others connect to that same power. And that brings us to our last point in praying for others. Pray that the love of God would shine through them. That same love that held Christ on the cross would permeate their entire life, that God's will will be their guiding influence that determines their decisions, their actions, and their thoughts. And that's the goal. should be the goal of every Christian, that every part of the Godhead shows himself presence in our lives, and that the power and presence of God flows through us and flows through the people that we pray for.
And if that happens, everything else falls into place. If they are where they are supposed to be in relation to Jesus Christ, everything else works itself out. Their wants, their desires, their needs, they all will line up with heaven. And then they will know joy. You know what the secret of joy is? It's an acronym. Jesus, others, you. That should be your priority in life. Jesus, others, you. And we're going to put this in practice today. That piece of paper that I gave you in your bulletins, and there's more back out there. I want you to think about a person that you'd like to pray for. Maybe it's somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe it's somebody who does and is struggling. Maybe it's somebody who who just has a fearful heart, especially during this day and age that we're living right now. This is meant to guide you in your prayers for them, which is why I made extras in case there's more than one person you want to pray for. You can put their name at the top, slip this in your Bible, and during your prayer time, you can pray through this for them. So I want you to just spend some time in prayer right now. We're going to take just about five minutes and fill these out and pray over them. And... And then after that, we'll stand and dismiss. So let's just do that now. I just put down some specific things for the person that I wrote down, my daughter. That kind of flow into this. I have other papers out there if you just want to make a list for other people or... or, uh, just to help you keep on track, pray for one person a day or something. However the Lord leads you to do it. But I think this can be very powerful for you. Not only are you lifting up others and and caring for them, but you're spending time with God. And having that time with God will bring encouragement to your soul and peace in your life also. I'm going to read the last part of this section of the Bible as as a dismissal prayer and blessing over our lives. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Lord God, let our faith, our hope, and our trust be in you and nothing else in this world, Lord. Use us in these last days. I pray this in your name. Amen.